welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. I am your HIV positive host, Jennifer Vaughn. How are you all doing? I wanted to make sure that I got an episode out today. It's a little sooner than my normal, but today is World AIDS Day, December 1st, 2021. This is an anniversary that has been around since 1988, and it's a day to bring awareness to HIV. It's obviously a day to remember those who have passed way too soon and a day to celebrate those who are still here and to just keep the conversation going about what HIV is today, but we never want to forget about what it was from the past. So I wanted to just kind of do a little special episode today about World AIDS Day. Um, I have a few little things that I wanted to clean up um, from last week. I don't know why, but I said Devin Deeks twice. <laughs> How I looked at his name and I still said Devin Deeks. It was Stephen Deeks. Stephen, how did I say Devin Deeks twice and not even catch myself? But I did. Um, I wanted to let everybody know that I found my bullet. <laughs> oh my gosh. I looked high and low for that thing all over my car with a flashlight from my phone, which, you know, those flashlights are pretty powerful. And I couldn't find it. And then um, over the weekend, I was at McDonald's in line or during my five-day break from, from McDonald's, my five-day break from school and work. Um, and I was in line getting coffee. I have been doing this every single day for about a month now. I usually always made my coffee at home, but man, McDonald's coffee is good. Um, so anyways, I was just sitting there. I thought, you know what? I'm going to lean the chair forward, the passenger side. I'm going to pop that little arm up and make the whole back part, you know, the, the, the part that you lean against your back and pu put it forward towards the dash. And then I'm going to lift up that metal bar in the front down by your legs and push the chair as far forward as I can because I thought maybe it fell in a track or something. I'm telling you, I looked so hard before I did this, like the day before with a flashlight, felt with my hands. I swear I had scoured that entire area with my eyeballs. Anyways, I pushed the chair forward. There it was, like looking up at me like, hi mom, I'm right here. Okay, so I got the bullet. <laughs> it's back in my possession. I don't know if I just saw it and thought it was a penny because it's the exact same color. The shape's a little bit different. But anyways, my bullet is back. It's safe and sound. I've taped up my little box a little bit better so that box won't fall open so easily anymore. And I'm just going to take really good care of it because I really didn't want to be without it. I was trying to be okay with it, but it really is... Um, you know, near and dear to my heart. It's 30 years old. It's part of my story, my life story, and it's just special to me. So I'm glad I found it. Okay. Uh, Stephen Deeks had said, and I used this word twice during my last episode, recapitulate. And I really didn't know what the hell it meant. So I thought I should just do a little um, Wikipedia definition. Uh, it says repeat during development and growth. That's the biological explanation. So he basically said we need to recapitulate um, with regards to the woman who was cured of HIV, like we need to figure out how that happened. I think that's basically what he meant. That's a big word. I don't think I'll probably ever use it again in my life, but there you go. Recapitulate. Okay, uh, let's move on really quick to my most recent date that I had Thursday night. I met up with a gentleman um, at a local restaurant very nice guy. Uh, he was my age and we met for two hours. I kind of knew right away that I didn't think he was so much my type physically. And, um, you know, I don't think he's going to hear this. I did tell him about my status, but um, really, I just got into, you know, of course, I talk about my status and then it goes into my social media a little bit. And um, it didn't phase him a bit. 
which was it's always interesting to me like someone was I wrote this on my social media somewhere and and someone had commented back that they um, have told people in the past too and they felt sort of gypped when the person didn't ask for more information and they were just like okay with it and you know the subject just went to something else and they're like but I was ready to give you the whole spiel and that's sort of how I felt I didn't really get to give him all the information it just wasn't a big deal he like was more interested in my medication and how it's covered because his mom has cancer and he was talking about a pill that she could take that could kind of prolong her life and he was talking about the coverage for it and how expensive it is and, and we just got onto the topic of the cancer and it was never brought up again that was it and so you know it was a quick two-hour date I guess if you want to call it that we ate a little bit had a drink and and then he, we went out to the parking lot and I said goodbye. And, you know, um, he said as I was walking away, hey, this was really fun. I'd love to do it again. He wrote to me before I got home and also reiterated that he'd like to do it again or get together and do something. And, um, you know, I just said, well, th that's the hardest part about dating. I don't know. I mean, he's, he was so nice and I didn't know what to say. And I kind of like didn't really give it a, a straight answer for about a day. And I talked about it on my social media on a TikTok live and people said just be forward be direct don't leave them hanging and so I I did I said basically this is the hard part about dating I'm really sorry I just didn't feel the chemistry you're so nice and you know I hope you understand and you know what it showed so much character because he wrote back and he said hey no problem at all in fact I'm going to read his message hold on I want I want you to hear exactly how this went down because it was so classy um did I delete it? No. Wait, oh my God, I forgot his name. <laughs> oh my goodness. Maybe I did delete it. Did I? Okay. Nope, there it is. Okay. Um, I said, hey, good morning. This is the worst part of dating, but I need to say that the connection just isn't there for me. You're a super nice guy and I wish you luck. And I put praying hands. And he wrote back, you too. Please don't feel bad about it. I enjoyed meeting you. Good luck to you as well. And I was like, that was really nice. And then about an hour later, he wrote, you've got class. He writes this to me with an exclamation point. Good luck to you, Jen. I'll be around if you ever want to skate. And he did like the emoji with the thumb and the pinky, the hang loose. And I just said, honestly, you have a lot of character and class and how you handled my text. I respect that. And he said, well, the feeling is mutual. If nothing else, Jen, you found a friend. Please don't hesitate to call. I'd like that. Ciao for now. I mean, just so nice. Um, so yay, another win for me. And it's not like I'm doing this to, it's not supposed to be an experiment for any of the men out there who may hear my podcast and feel that they've been a guinea pig. It's not that at all. I really am trying to find somebody to date possibly, you know, um, some companionship. But in the meantime, I enjoy sharing the journey with people that listen to me. And so far, I did write down all the names and, and the yeses and the nos and whether I disclosed or not. And so out of eight men, I've disclosed my daughter's yelling at me. Hi, I'm in my closet doing a po I'm in my closet doing a podcast. How was work? Okay. Um, so eight men I've disclosed to. Two of them I've already talked about were um, pretty much a hard no. They were the ones that I never met in person. Those were the ones that I kind of threw out my advocacy to them right away. I, you know, there was definitely a flirtation with them online, like a physical interest on both ends. And then I said, hey, you want to know more about me? Look up my name on the internet. Those flopped. They were like, whoa, it says here you have HIV. I'm outie. Bye. So those didn't go anywhere. And I was like, all right, whatevs. I don't even know you guys. I don't even care. But I thought that's not the way to approach it. So I... <laughs> 
I don't know why. I thought they would just be impressed with my advocacy. They were not. So the other guys, there's been six so far. Um, one already knew it because he was one that I had to reach out to after I was diagnosed um, and let him know that he had been, you know, exposed to me. He was negative. And um, again, you know, because I've talked about him on here, he was one that I have um, been physical with a few times and he's been, you know, fine with it, isn't concerned at all. And then um, I disclosed to five others and four of those five I chose to not be or move forward with. I just wasn't interested in. And then there was one other person that I was intimate with um, who is going through something else and I'm not even going to get into it, but um, they were fine with it also. So that's it. Um, and I don't think that other person I will be seeing again. So you win some, you lose some, but the, the, in the end, really, I mean, out of uh, eight, six were fine, two weren't and six all had met me in person. So I think that that is, nope, that's wrong. <laughs> not six. I haven't met six people in person of those six. I've met three Two were just dates that I just decided after I wasn't into. And one of them is that person that I knew from before. But the other three, I just texted and chose not to move forward with them. They just weren't my type after all. For people that are disclosing, I think it's really important to um, share your diagnosis, maybe after somebody's met you and gotten to know you a little bit. You know, don't do it. Uh, I wouldn't put it on a, a dating profile and I wouldn't do it before I've met somebody in person. I really think you got to you know, they need to see you're a, a normal person. And, um, but like I've always said, and I've mentioned this before, but what comes with me is not only my diagnosis, which to me is just a nothing, it's the advocacy that I do. So again, you know, if somebody's interested in me and they want to get to know me more, my advocacy will trickle out and their family and friends will eventually know. And that's something that they're going to have to deal with. And that's a whole nother dimension that comes with me. And that isn't easy because people would rather just not talk about it. They'd rather have it hidden. And it's not hidden when it comes to Miss Vaughn. It's pretty much out there. So, okay. Oh, and there was one funny thing that happened when I was out on that date. I had one glass of wine. I don't know, kind of milked it from seven o'clock to nine o'clock, but nine o'clock hits and I am ready for bed. I'm, it's my age. I don't know. And the wine does not help. I haven't had a glass of wine in about a month. So, I don't know. It just kind of like, you know, when you, it's that time of the evening and your body just kind of feels like, yeah, it's starting to feel sleepy. My whole body's feeling sleepy. Head's feeling sleepy. I told my girlfriend that she's like, I hate when that happens on a date. So I mean, at literally nine o'clock, I'm like Cinderella. Um, I am done with my glass of wine and I blinked and my eyelid did not cooperate. <laughs> it was like my eyelid didn't go back up on my right side like it should and I really wanted to readjust it with my finger but I didn't want to be obvious it's part of me just being old probably the just the way the eyelid works at this point at 51 and the wine did not help and the time did not help so I had a little bit of a struggle with my eyelid and I hope to god he didn't see it I'm sure he didn't but I was super aware of it I'm like boy it's time to go home and I even said I'm like I'm really tired I'm, I've gotta go I'm so sorry but my eyelids aren't working anymore so if you are my age and you've uh been through this, you know what I'm talking about. It's, I don't know, maybe, maybe, when, maybe no one else knows what I'm talking about, but I think you all do. Okay. Um, 
very cool. My brother left me a message the other day and he listens to my podcast, my big brother, Brian. And I asked him if I could play this. He left me a voice memo and I'm just going to play it so you can hear. This is in regards to Pedro Zamora. Um, and I had talked about him on my last podcast. And again, if you want to listen to last year, I had released my interview with Judd Winnick for World AIDS Day. Um, it was the Pedro, well, it's the Judd interview, but we talked about Pedro, obviously. So that's what I did last year for World AIDS Day. So I just want to remind people that that is episode 12 on the Don't Stop Me Now podcast, if you want to hear that. But this is the message from my brother. Hey, Bri, by the way, here it is. Thanks for letting me play this. Hey there, it's Brian. I was listening to your podcast, you're talking about Pedro. I don't know if I ever told you, but I actually came across Sean, his boyfriend, one time in real life. Um, back, must have been, I don't know, 93, 94, or something like that. I was uh, working for a courier service, and I was delivering a package, an envelope or whatever, somewhere in San Francisco to some office building, and I came into the building, and I passed Sean, who was in the office there. I'm like, I didn't talk to him or anything, but I'm like, oh, that's that guy. <laughs> that's Pedro's boyfriend. But anyway, I, I don't think I ever told you that. So um, anyway, just random thing or whatever. All right. Anyway, that's it. Talk to you later. Bye. I thought that was cool. Um, I do want to just say that um, that was Pedro's. It was actually Pedro's husband, Sean Sasser. And I'm going to look this up here because, and he passed away as well. Um, You know, I thought he passed away from HIV or AIDS, but I, no, I don't think, you know what? That's the weird connection. Sean died in August of 2013, August 7th, 2013. And I feel like I zero converted after Eric left. Eric left at the very, like, kind of like the last week of August. And then I was at the gastroenterologist in somewhere in September. It was like the second or third week in September with that esophageal discomfort and my headache and all that. The weird thing is, is that I think I contracted HIV in August of 2013. And I know it doesn't mean anything, but Sean died in August of 2013. I don't know. I just, it just kind of is interesting. So he died from... He was diagnosed with mesothelioma, a rare cancer of the lungs. Sasser had no known occupational exposure to asbestos, the primary cause of mesothelioma, though studies suggest the chronic immunosuppression enhances susceptibility to mesothelioma. He died at his home August 7th, 2013 at age 44. Hold on. Yes? I don't know. Can you go check and see why? Because I'm doing my podcast right now. Oh, wait. What should I say to my coach? I don't know what to say. Well, just tell him that we haven't received the test results yet and you couldn't even go to school today. You're going to have to say something because I don't think the test results are going to come back today. Can you? Go, can somebody please go see what's going on with Finn? <laughs> okay. Um, so he was HIV positive for 25 years. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, he didn't die of, he didn't die of AIDS. I'm sure his, um, CD4 and he was, I'm sure he was undetectable, but you know, apparently, you know, I don't like to think that I'm immunocompromised in any way. Um, but they are saying that he had chronic immunosuppression. So I, you know, I don't know what to make of that, but that is really sad. So it says that he died at home August 7th, 2013 at age 44 in accordance with his wishes. His body was cremated and his ashes spread upon places he had been and wished to visit. 
So he was survived by his husband, so he was remarried, Michael, his mother, Patricia, and his sister, a dancer who lives in Detroit with her husband and daughter. So rest in peace, Sean and Pedro. There was also something that I had said when I was reading about Pedro last week, and there was something that he had said to the producers that really got to me, but I realized when I listened to my podcast back, I didn't say what was in my head. I went on a tangent to something else and I didn't mean to. He had said when he was starting to get really sick, he said, promise to follow my story till the end. So he asked John Murray to follow his story to the end. So he knew that's the part that just gave me chills is that he understood um, that this was his life was coming to an end. Uh, quickly and he so because otherwise he would not have asked the show to follow him I think he had he knew that the time was coming and uh, that part really just gets me I just can't believe like he he kind of understood what was happening and you know I'm sure that um, when he went into this whole thing with the real world he didn't think that his life would be coming to an end so quickly afterward and um, just the fact that it was all caught on film so much of it the whole you know, journey is just astounding. And we got to watch it unfold before our eyes. And it really, you know, it definitely gave us a true, like a deep appreciation for this man who was not only sharing his diagnosis with us, but he was sharing the end of his life with us. And that is a gift that he gave to the world. And I feel honored to have been able to watch it for sure. Okay. Um, I found this nurse. Actually, I didn't. Somebody sent this to me. I wanted to play a couple more things for World AIDS Day. These were special to me. Somebody had sent me a video of this woman who had been a nurse. This is a TikTok that she did. She has like barely any followers and this video didn't really get any views. So I'm playing it. And um, her name is Daring Greatly at D-A-R-I-N-G Greatly. And um, this is what she had to say. And I just, I just loved all of this. Hold on. Soon it's going to be World AIDS Day, December the 1st. In the early 80s, I was a new graduate nurse, and I was ready to change the world. The first AIDS patients I saw um, were very, very sick, and there wasn't a lot we could do for them. They ended up being isolated. Often cleaners wouldn't go into their rooms to clean. Uh, food trays were left outside, often till the food went cold. And those rooms were quiet and full of a lot of fear and loneliness. It was usually just a patient or maybe one other person with them. And there was an atmosphere of, there was acceptable AIDS if you had caught it from a blood infusion. And then there was unacceptable AIDS if you'd got it from IV drug use or sex. Awareness started and I became involved in the community where we tested people, uh, HIV testing. I did the pre-counseling and post-counseling. Most people anticipated the results, um, so that wasn't too bad. We went to memorials. We made quilt panels and we advocated and we spread the word used to go into gay clubs and and try and educate and give out free condoms to stop the spread 
I became involved in a retreat, a spiritual treat for people living with AIDS and HIV. And at the beginning, it was very bleak. But awareness escalated to funding and um, research. Things began to change. And the atmosphere in the camps year after year changed. Uh, it changed from dealing with how to live with a terminal disease to the challenges of going back to college or getting a job and facing a life ahead of you. So if you're living with HIV or AIDS today and World AIDS Day is December the 1st, please embrace the life that you have, the dreams that you have, the hopes that you have and live for them in honor of so many that did not get that chance. Um, there were so many. And um, just, just be proud of you. That's all I wanted to share. Oh my gosh, I have so many messages in my um, Instagram. Somebody sent this to me. I know it was someone female, and I cannot find the message. I'd really like to thank you. If you listen to my podcast and you hear that, I I would like to give you credit for sending me that TikTok, and I just cannot find it. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Um, okay, so that's very sombering, obviously, and it's the way it truly was. It's incredibly, it's a really dark time in our history for sure. And again, I always recommend seeing How to Survive a Plague on YouTube. I'll look it up right now and tell you how to survive a plague with Peter Staley. Here's the preview. Plague! We are in the middle of a plague! 40 million infected people is a plague! AIDS is now the leading cause of death. Demonstrators blocked access to buildings. Coalition of gay groups came to shut down the FDA. This government has the resources to deal with the AIDS epidemic and they won't do it unless we force them. Everybody to join us. We are trying to arouse to anger and action. Until we get our acts together, we are as good as dead. I started to look for treatments to help save our life. I wish they'd shut their mouths and get their mentality out of their crotches. There was nothing coming out of our government's efforts. But no, they march in the streets. They defy you. I decided to become a full-time AIDS activist. They all had to become scientists to some degree. We can take a drug, your test tube, to the market in under two years. This total reluctance on your part is going to get you nowhere. It'll end up killing us. The death rate just kept on climbing. It became very clear that you weren't going to mess with these people. I am going to fight them. My patients are going to fight them. And you're not going to We need our government to save our lives. This isn't going to be cured for years and years and years. I'm going to die from this. earth who will hear the story that once it was a terrible disease and that a brave group of people stood up and fought and in some cases died 
so that others might live and be free. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, that makes me emotional. Um, the images on here are pretty intense, and especially if you're, you're somebody living with HIV, you feel this deep connection to, obviously, this movement that happened. And um, so Peter Staley is the man who you heard speaking several times in that, where he said that, I'm going to die from this. Um, Peter Staley is alive and well today, and he's one of the main characters, so to speak, in this documentary. Um, again, I highly recommend watching this. This is truly what went down between our U.S. government and the men who were dying and dropping like flies in the United States of AIDS. Nothing was being done, and they got together and they protested. I mean, you have to see the images to really get the depth of how intense this was. Um, I know it doesn't come through on a podcast, but if you could see um, this trailer and everything that I just saw. Um, this is the um, description of the movie. It says, How to Survive a Plague is a story of the brave young men and women who successfully reversed the tide of an epidemic, demanded the attention of a fearful nation, and stopped AIDS from becoming a death sentence. This improbable group of activists bucked oppression and with no specific training, infiltrated government agencies and the pharmaceutical industry helping to identify promising new medication and treatments and move them through trials and into drugstores in record time. In the process, they saved their own lives and ended the darkest days of the veritable plague while virtually emptying AIDS wards in American hospitals in the process. The powerful story of their fight is a classic tale of empowerment and activism that has since inspired movements for change in everything from breast cancer research to Occupy Wall Street. Their story stands as a powerful inspiration to future generations, a roadmap, a call to arms. This is how you change the world. Okay, you guys know I get so emotional. I'm going to compose myself. I want to end this on a happy note, um, a funny note. And so I thought... Um, the best way to do that would be to end this with a very funny speech from Mark King. This was at USCA 2018, and I have it as an IGTV on my Instagram. It's kind of down there a little bit, but you can find it. You don't have to scroll too far, but this is it. I don't think a lot of people find it, so I think it's just like I want to put this on my podcast so everybody can hear. Mark's hysterical. He obviously is HIV positive, and this is his story. Ha <laughs> ha. 
was Mark King of My Fabulous Disease. You can find him on Instagram. He is fabulous. The guy is a beefcake. He's ripped. Um, he's very gay and very married. But um, anyways, I love the guy. And again, that was at USCA in Florida. That stands for the United States Conference on AIDS. They've now changed it to the United States Conference on HIV and AIDS. So it's USCHA now. So they've added the HIV in there, um, which I'm happy about because I don't like to refer to myself as somebody with AIDS. Um but anyways, I just loved that. I thought it was great. And what you should know is that pretty much probably 95% of the people in the audience, and it was one packed house. I mean, there were so many tables you couldn't even count. It's a huge conference room. Everybody had HIV. So that's what it's like at those conferences. You're amongst, um, you know, people that are like your family in a way. You just know you all have this common bond of HIV. And and I want to end this with um, something that I said during my Google Meet Ireland with Bruce Richmond and three other advocates. We were on there to speak about U equals U. They said, you know, what's the takeaway from all of this? What do you want these people who are listening to this right now to know? These are people that really don't probably know much about HIV. And this is what I wanted them to know. I said, we never wanted this. It turned all of our worlds upside down. We are living normal lives. We can't transmit sexually when we're on treatment and undetectable. We are daughters, mothers, sisters, brothers, uncles, aunts, dads, sons, and friends. We are executives, actors, doctors, nurses, athletes, artists, you name it. We are good people. We are just like you. We are not HIV. Thank you for listening today. Bye, guys. I'll be back soon. <laughs>